Once upon a time, a man was shipwrecked on a des- deserted island. He was a pretty industrious and hardworking sort of man. So by the time he was rescued 15 years later, he had man- managed to transform the island into a collection of roads and buildings. The people who rescued him were amazed at his accomplishments and, and asked him for a tour. And so he said, yeah, absolutely, let me show you around. He brought him to the first building. He said, the first building on our left? He said, that's my house. He said, you'll see I have a comfortable three-bedroom estate, complete with indoor plumbing and a sprinkler system. There's also a storage shed in the back for all my lawn tools. Uh, the rescue party was astonished. They're like, man, this house is as good as our house. Uh, that building over there, he said, that's my store where I buy all my groceries. He said, next to that is the bank across the street and then the gym where I exercise. And the rescuers noticed two other buildings. They said, well, what are those? He said, well, the one on the left, you know, the one over there on the left, uh, that's where I go to church. And they said, okay, well, what about the one on the right? He goes, oh, no, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> you got that right. He's on a deserted island. Okay, all right, I just didn't know if you were tracking with us. We're in a, we're in a, we're in a teaching about covenant. Everybody say covenant. You can do better than that. Say Covenant. And it's been a three-part series, and we're closing out today. We started the series with the understanding. We don't use the word covenant. You don't go around using that unless you're going to do some kind of, you know, something weird or crazy. But this is a word that God uses throughout Scripture to describe what he thinks relationships are supposed to be. And so we have been talking about how the creator, the designer, surely knows how we are supposed to work. And that over the years, we've gotten away from the way he does relationships. And so our first week, we talked about being in covenant relationship with the Lord our God, what that looks like. Uh, If you've ever had unmet expectations in a relationship, maybe your first marriage or your second marriage or your fifth or sixth, you recognize that that person was thinking one thing and you were thinking something else. What they said love was and what you thought love was were two different things. And so that happens many times in our relationship with the Lord. What we think is love with him and what we think is being faithful to him may not exactly be what he thinks faithfulness is. And so he gives us throughout scripture what that looks like. He calls it a covenant relationship with him. And so we studied some of the principles. One of, some of the principles that we studied the first week is that, is that you know, part of the practices of a, and unfortunately, so, is that it's permanent. But this is a permanent relationship. I'm all in. And unfortunately, so many people come and they date God, and they'll date him for a month, a year, two years, three years. Uh, you know, it's friends with benefits kind of thing. Uh, if you give me this and I feel fulfilled, then I'll keep, keep being in relationship with you. But the moment something bad happens, I'm out, peace. And that's not a covenant relationship. And that's literally what is broken pretty much in the United States is because we don't understand the permanency of the relationship we're coming into with Father God. Also, we learned in that relationship that there's an identity change. The old Adam McCain is dead. And a new Adam McCain arose as I came into relationship with the living God. I'm no longer that guy. I'm this man, the man of God, God's son. And so as we learned that, we moved then into our second week. Our second week last week was about covenant marriages. So we see these three most dynamic relationships in Scripture. A relationship with the living God, a relationship with our spouses, and then a relationship with the body of believers. And so last week we looked at the relationship with our spouses. And it was really good teaching, especially for those of you that are single, those of you that desire to be married, those of us that are married, those of us that have been married, to go back to the covenant principles that God set up in marriage, his original design. And we looked at a number of those principles. First off, that there would be mutual commitment, 
that we're both all in. It's the only way for this thing to really be beautiful. We also learn in the God's principles of marriage that, the, that we should surrender our rights and say, oh, wait a minute, you know, I have a right for this and you shouldn't have done that. And I don't, I'm right, you're wrong. And we, most of the conflict that we deal with in, in marriage counseling is about rights and wrongs. You were wrong, I was right, blah, 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 blah. Well, actually, a covenant marriage is all about surrendering our rights and the two becoming one, if you will. And then we also taught you last week, one of the key principles was building together what is lacking. When, when you go to get married, I'm telling you right now, you're going to be lacking some stuff. And you're going to break some stuff because you, never, you, you don't know uh, what you don't know. And then when you get in it, you got some things to learn. But in covenant marriage, we decide we're going to build it together. That insecurity that you've had from past relationships, we're going to build together through that. That, that. that problem that you have with people and men in authority, I'm going to serve beside you until, until we build a strength in an area that's a weakness. I'm not going to push you aside because you're broken in an area. We're going to build it together. Are you with me? Say yes. So if you miss that, go back, get on our website, go back and watch those teachings. It'll transform your life. Today, we're going to move into teaching about God's family and how we're supposed to be in covenant with each other as a family. And he literally spends a chunk of the New Testament writings to us or how we're supposed to be in relationship. If you would bear with me for a moment, if I could just take you on an on a ancient journey ride, if you will, to kind of get to the place of understanding. You've got to understand thousands of years ago in ancient history, humanity was tribal. We were in tribes, there were groups of people arising, and then they would begin to, they'd begin to formulate a way of doing things. They would make kings, they would make tribal leaders, typically through families, a bunch of, a bunch of people coming together, having babies and cousins and nieces and nephews, and that became the Phoenicians, and, and that became the Egyptians, if you will. And they had a culture, they had skin tones many times that were similar, they had builds that were similar because they were all almost, if you will, inbred. Uh, no, but they're all just one, one group of people. And so in a, in a season, of thousands of years ago, humanity turned away from God. And so God said, you know what, I, got, I, I, want, I, I want relationship with humanity, but they've turned away from me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a covenant with that one who's righteous, who still serves me. And his name was Abram, or Abraham later to be changed his name. And Abram came into covenant with Father God. And Father God said, listen, I'm going to create a covenant relationship with you so that your son's your grandsons, your daughters, your granddaughters, they will be my people. And what God created in that first covenant was he literally established a Jewish nation state. Uh, it was distinct from the Edomites, the, from the Philistines, from the, Assyrian, the Assyrians. He established a, a, a literally a fiscal state. Uh, it, it was a group of people that were his people. God chose them and raised them up, and they were an ethnic uh, an ethnic nation, and they received his first covenant relationship with him, and they marked themselves as being in covenant by circumcision. There was a physical thing that they did to the males. They circumcised the males and said, we belong to God. So you were only a God follower in those days if you were Jewish. No one else was. They were all pagans. They didn't want God. And the rest of the nations had their own little gods. They, they worshiped the moon god. They worshiped the harvest god. They'd throw their babies into the rivers and worship to the harvest god so that the, 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 they would have great harvest the next year. They would do blood sacrifices uh, of, of humans. and uh, they dance around. Much of it was demonically inspired, if you will. And they would worship. The, and, and the Bible calls them mute gods, that they would worship these mute gods. And so God said, listen, I'm going to create an ethnic group, a people group 
that are mine, my DNA, my bloodline, if you will, through Abraham. Then Moses comes along, and after they've been in Egypt, these Israelites have been conquered. They became Egyptian in their way of thinking, pagan in their way of thinking. Moses comes along, takes them out of Egypt, and then God gives them the law by which to govern themselves, not just governmentally, but also the moral law by which they're supposed to believe and to act. And he gave them symbols so that they can know how they're in relationship. Blood sacrifices of animals, the sacrifice of these poor little precious animals to prove that you have been wicked and you have been undone and that there needs to be a repentance, a sacrifice, if you will. It should cost you something. It should cost you something to recognize that you have gone away and strayed against the laws that I gave you. And so we find the governmental laws and we also find the moral laws that God gave them under Moses' teaching are the law of Moses. And these kind of solidified by faith in, through, through Abraham and, by, and circumcision along with the law given by Moses. This kind of summarized how the Jews grew up. So like Catholics who think, Jews, you were born into God. When you were born, you were a Jew. They circumcised you as a child, and now you're a follower of God. You're God's people. God did that because he wanted to, if you will, make jealous the rest of the people. He loved all mankind. But he said, if, if, if their ways, they don't see me, they don't want me, so I'm going to create a group of people who love me and that I'm in relationship, covenant with. And so all the peoples of the earth, they go, look what their God does for them. Look at When Daniel interacted with Xerxes, Xerxes said, we know now that only Daniel's God is the real God. All the other gods aren't real gods. We know now. And anyone who comes against Daniel's God will be killed because his God's the real God because he steps in the middle of a fire. He does this. He does that. And, and so the revelation of the one true God by way of how God and the Jews engage with each other, that all mankind. And so then there was an ability to be proselyted and come into Jewish faith, if you will, into the covenant relationship with God by being grafted in, by being circumcised, even though you weren't born Jew, and by following the Torah, following the laws that, that Moses had laid out from God. Even in this practice of covenant relationship, the Jews kept following false gods. They kept being adulterous and going against him. So God says, you know what, I'm going to establish a new covenant. I'm going to pay for all of your sins once and for all because my son Jesus is going to come to earth. My son Jesus is going to come and live amongst you. He's going to die and his sacrifice on the earth is going to create an opportunity for a new covenant relationship where all men can come into relationship with me. That there's no longer either Jew or Greek, male or female, but those who are in Christ. Friend, that's why you have to understand. When you became a Christian, God became your father, I became your brother. That person sitting across the aisle from you became your sister. You became a part of the bloodline of those who follow Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and life. And a new covenant has been brought together. Are you with me? Say yes. Are you tracking with me? And the reason why you got to understand this is because I am not, I am not a, I, I'm not a committed to a political party or a skin tone. I'm committed to the family of God because I have been brought into the family. And so if, that's why we always tell you at this church, if you don't like black people, don't go to heaven. If you don't like white folks, don't go to heaven. If you don't like Hispanic folks or Asian folks, don't go to heaven. Because the Bible says that he will gather every tribe. All those who come into covenant relationship through Jesus Christ are his sons and daughters. We're considered sons and daughters even though, even though we fail forward, even though we're sinners saved by grace. The moment I said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that he is the Christ, the Son 
son of the living God. I was immediately forgiven of my sins and I had full access to a covenant relationship with the living God. And guess what? Also, I became a part of most without even knowing it. I became a part of his family. I now have brothers and sisters. I now have people around the world that we're family. Years ago, I was reaching out to this guy, and he wasn't a Christian. I got to playing disc golf and hanging out with him, and, and, uh, and, and, and he'd been back and forth with, you know, not sure if he wanted to serve God or not. And, and one day he asked me, he said, we'd been playing disc golf for a while. He goes, hey, can I ask you something? I said, yeah. He goes, so can you, like, can you like sense each other? I'm like, what? He's like, like, can you sense there's another Christian, like, like in a crowd of people? I was like, um, I'm, I'm, he goes, well, let me just tell you why. He said, there's a guy at work, and when I get around him, I feel the same way when I get around you. He said, I don't want to curse as much. I don't know why. He's never told me. He never told me he was a Christian. I just, and it's like, it's like every time I'm around him, I like feel God. And, and, and so I was just wondering, do you guys feel each other as Christians? Because I found out he's a Christian too. And I said, well, I guess we do. I guess that's true. We are connected through the bloodline of Jesus Christ. We have been saved and sanctified and filled with his Holy Spirit, marking that we're in covenant relationship with the living God. And it's not based on skin tone. It's not based on political affiliation. See, the Jews had a political affiliation. They were Jews. They had a national, if you will, group of people. They were one nation. And God said, that's beautiful. That was awesome. It was a great pattern to show you. Now I'm going to create a new covenant with all people. And that anyone, anyone who wants to can come to me. Anyone can become a son or daughter of the Most High God by profession of faith, by giving themselves over to the living God through Jesus Christ and the work that was done on the cross. That's the new covenant. That's what we get to be a part of. That's what we are. You're with me today? Say yes. And the reason why I had to lay that foundation is because we suck at being good brothers and sisters. We do. A few years back, the Barna Research Group put out a statistic. They had done this great big national research. They found that 82% of Americans claim to be Christian. But only 4% of Americans actually believe the Bible is accurate, actually believe that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through him. Only 4%. Only 4% believe that Jesus, Satan, and, and God, the Father, is who the Bible says they are. Only 4%. Those are, by the way, those are tenements of our faith. To be a Christian. So what you had was people who said they were Christian but weren't really Christians. And they believe that they're multi- everybody's a Christian. Muslims are Christians. Uh, you know, all these people, different people who say they're Christian are Christian. When truly they're, they're not because these are the tenements of our faith. That Jesus is the way. Him only. Uh, that the Bible is accurate. All these pieces. And so, and so in their research, they found this. That of those 82%, that 70% of them said, I love God but I hate the church. I love God, but I hate... Of the 82% of American Christians, 70% of them said, I love God, but I hate the church. So then what happened, and this has been a number of years ago, all the pastors started trying to make the church be more relevant to people who don't like the church. And they started changing up the music, and they started dressing cooler, tattoos, and come on to Jesus, I'm like you, I understand. And they started trying to change all these things up. And all those things were really good, and they've been amazing. And I think they've really helped the community of nonbelievers go, okay, wait a minute. There, Jesus you know, really does love me, and I'm not so far distant and, and that kind of thing. I think those things were good. But at the end of the day, 
what we failed to do was teach the brothers and sisters how to be in covenant relationship with each other. And so, can I just tell you something? I'm not going to live my whole life trying to make you happy as your pastor. I'm going to live my whole life trying to help you understand what he said that you and I were supposed to look like, be like, and act like. And so, at the end of the day, you and I have to learn to be in covenant relationship with the other brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're just not good at it. I'm just going to be honest. The proof of that is how many times we bounce from Christian relationships to Christian relationships. How many times somebody offended us and we said, I'm out. How many times we've allowed ourselves to become embittered at other Christians and therefore push us away from our relationship with the living God. The moment you became a Christian, you became a part of his family, which means you inherited brothers and sisters that you don't even really know that well. And so he gives us some covenant principles throughout Scripture on how we're supposed to engage with uh, each other. Can we jump straight into our key verse for today's teaching out of John chapter 13? Open your Bibles and look at this. John chapter 13, it's on the screens if you forgot your Bible. John 13 and 34, this is Jesus speaking. He says, and so I'm giving you a new commandment, or I'm giving a new commandment to you. Now, love each other as much as I have loved you. Verse 35, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He's saying, listen, the way you love each other will show the world that you belong to me. The way, you, the way they'll know that you're mine is not because you go around wearing Christian t-shirts or because you got a cross on your neck or because you post some little Christian one-liners on your, on your social media. The way they'll know that you belong to me, the way they'll know that you're a real Christian is the way you love each other, the way the brothers and sisters love each other. The way you love each other will show them how much you know me because my love is abounding in you so therefore you can love others and you do that in its best format with the body of believers and can I just tell you something we the church are terrible at loving each other God's family has more criticism and critique and more judgment and more harshness with each other oh I tell you we're we're all trying to prove points guys it's time that we make a change and that church on the hill I want us to lead out on being a church where the family of God loves each other. That's why our mission statement is to relentlessly love Jesus, his church, and the hurting. I, if you've been coming here any length of time, I started telling people years ago from the pulpit, hey, don't come up in here and tell me how bad the church down the street is. That's my brothers. They may not be perfect, but don't come in here and tell me the church hurt me and hurt me. And I, Listen, the church is us. We the church. We hurt each other because we're people, we're humans, and we're stupid, and we make mistakes, and we wound each other, and we've got to learn how to be in covenant relationship with each other. A couple thoughts. You know how you know when somebody's in covenant relationship with somebody? Because they love them even though there's not a whole lot of benefit in it. You know how you know that you're in covenant relationship with someone? It's because you know what? You put your heart out there even though you've been wounded in times past. I can't tell you how many people want to visit, want to date Want to have friends with benefits with the body of Christ, but won't come into covenant relationship. Why? Because we're scared we're going to get hurt. Because we're scared. Oh, I see that. That looks like the last place I went to. That looks like, oh, the preacher's asking for money. There he is. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten. Yeah, I came and visited your church. All you did was ask for money. You out of your stinking mind. You must not have been in my church because I don't sit there and beg and plead for money. I just tell you, hey, you need to tithe. That's what the Bible says, and here's how you can do it. So no, that's not true. You're offended because of what happened in the past because you don't know how to come in covenant relationship with the body of believers. And so it is critical, it is critical that you and I learn how to be in covenant relationship with each other. It's critical. 
So if you don't mind, I'd like to take a few moments and take you through how we can do that. See, you've got to understand, that person sitting next to you, sitting across from you, that's your brother. That's your sister. Have you ever watched these Dateline specials where people are trying to track down, you know, their bloodline? Have you ever watched these specials, you know, or, or, or the Maury show? You are his father. Like, ah! It's amazing. You know why? Because there's something innate in each and every one of us to love that bloodline. Think about it. I've watched men love their children more than they love their spouse because that's their blood. I've watched, listen, I I, I preach all the time on the West Coast in in large gatherings of uh, Russian communities, Russian Americans. And I don't know if you know this, but those guys still have like 10, 10 kids each. They have lots of kids. And so it's a joke every time I'm with them because if you mess with one Russian at Starbucks, a text message will go out. And then within 90 seconds, black BMWs will pull up. I'm telling you right now, and you have messed with the wrong tribe, bro. They're, they're like, that's my cousin. I will kill you. Like, because they're bloodline, right? Well, we forgot this is our bloodline. And you don't mess with a believer because if you mess with the believer, you mess with the family. And that's what we've forgotten. In fact, there's so much backbiting and criticism in the family because the enemy learned years ago, if I, got, if I can't get you to not love Jesus, I'll get you not to love his family. Because if I can put strife in the family, then ultimately it'll pull you away from Jesus. And this is why we have the problems that we have. But, oh, we're going to turn it around here at Church on the Hill. Amen? Everybody say, I'm family. Say, I'm family with you. And then point to the person next to you, with you. I'm family with you. So let me give you a couple covenant guidelines for God's family. Couple, here's some covenant guidelines that we find, especially throughout the New Testament. And uh, it's a trip. The New Testament is all about, hey, church, do better at this. <laughs> you find all these things. Here's the first thing that we're taught to do in covenant relationship with family, and that is, number one, that we're supposed to confess and pray together. Everybody say together. Yeah. Say it again. Say together. Yeah. We're supposed to confess and pray. Look at James chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. But guys, I don't do small groups because I don't have a follow-up program. We do small groups at this church because I want you to have a group of relationships that you can confess and pray and be healed. Yeah. I don't, we don't need a box with the special, the special pastor person that you come confess to. The Bible literally says that we have a priest. His name is Jesus. We don't need another priest. He's our go-to. He's our go-to. And then the family of God is supposed to be there so that we can have a relationship and say, you know what? I'm really struggling with this. I just need to confess. I can't stand my kids right now. Oh, my goodness. Would y'all pray for me? Yeah, brother, I've been there that last week, for example. Let me just lay hands on you right now and pray with you. How are we going to do that every Sunday? Once a week, you need to be in relationship with some other brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why we do small groups here is because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you in relationships. I'll never forget one of the first times I ever saw this work. Blew my mind. I went to a young adult small group, a bunch of 16 and 17-year-olds, guys and girls mixed, and so I'm in there, and they worship a little bit, and then they all sit down, and, and, uh, and, and, and one guy just opens up. He goes, I can't take it anymore. He said, I just want, I need help. I'm addicted to porn, and I know, and I, I need y'all to pray for me right now. There are girls in the room. There are guys in the room, and I'm sitting there going, I don't know if you're supposed to say this right here, bro. Like, I don't know if this is good. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. and said, why do you think he's doing this right now? And then began to reveal t- to me two things. Number one, that man knew that this group of people loved him so much 
They loved him and they were going to have his back. And that if he confessed to anybody and got help from anybody, this group would be there for him to help him see this thing through. That's what he, so he, number one, he knew that there would be help here. And number two, he knew that these people had his back. You and I need to get in those kind of relationships, but we don't do that. We go to church to experience an event. This, the church is not an event. It's a people. This, is not, this meeting is not the church. Us together is the church. You're the church at Walmart. You're the church at your house. You're the church on the job. You're the church on social media. You are the ch- we're, the ch- we're the family of God, and we need each other. And one of the key principles of covenant relationship is that I come to you, and I say, man, I need your help. I, I need to confess something. I need to confess. I have, I have been jealous of you. The moment that God blessed you, and you got that new car, oh, I, oh it made me so mad. Because I was like, God, what about my blessing? So I just want to confess that, and I want you to pray for me. Can you imagine if the church was the church? Can you imagine if, if the world looks at us and go, the way you love each other, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything like that. You know what I get told all the time? My friends at the bar are nicer to me than the people at the church. That's why I make you be nice. That's why I'm making you be nice. Because, you know, and of course, they're drunk, so <laughs> I don't know if it's nice or stupid. But, I mean, <clears throat> here's a second covenant piece that, that we find in Scripture. And that is, it's, it teaches us literally to submit to one another. Everybody say, together. Yeah. Say it again. Say, together. Yeah. Put number two on the screen, to submit one to another. Submit one to another. Ephesians 5, 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'm my own man. I'm a grown blank man. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Yeah, that's, that's tough to be in relationship with a person like that. It's tough to be in covenant relationship with somebody. They've forgotten that they're in covenant relationship with the family of God. See, what happens many times is you want Jesus, but you don't realize that when you come into Christ, you also come into his family. And so we have to learn how to do that well, submitting one to another. You, you understand? Listen, I submit to our own kids' pastors. I'm the lead pastor. We've empowered them to oversee the kids. And so my child doesn't come home and say, they ain't doing this right in the kids' ministry. They ain't doing it. She tried that one time. I said, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Well, I think they should do this. Did you discuss that with your pastors? She goes, no. I said, you don't ever say that to me again. They're in power. We gave them power to to be in charge over there. And so whatever they say we're doing, we're doing it. So that's what you're going to do. Yes, sir, dad. Okay, let's go. I'm in submission to the, to the authority that they have, that you, the church, gave them as the kids' pastors. Submit one to another as unto the Lord. And reverence to the Lord. We don't do that real well, do we? All right, here's, a, here's the next one. I think number three. My numbers got a little off in my notes, but hopefully they're on the screen, right? And that is number three, care for each other's needs. There we go. Number three, care for each other's needs. Everybody say together. together. Say it again. Say together. Care for each other's needs. 1 John 3, 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? You see that that guy is struggling and you've not helped him. But you have the ability to help him. How can this be? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. In actions and in truth. Again, they'll know that we belong to God by the way we love each other. The world will look up. God has always, have you ever, you got to understand, God has never forced anyone to love him. He gave us free will. He's never, he's never forced his desires on humanity. Never has. What he's done is, and said, look how good it is. 
Don't you want something? So good. Oh, what are you eating? Oh, sin and wickedness. Oh, mm, destroying your life. Oh, look how good it is. Mm. You know how you do a little child when you try to get them to eat something? Look how good it is. It's wonderful. It's better with me. Won't you come over here? And so when we are backbiting and slandering and mad at each other and don't know how to deal with that, the world says, why do I want that? Why do I want that? I don't want that. I've had, I've had people tell me this, Pastor, you know why I don't want to be a Christian? I watch, I, I got, I've got guys at work say they're Christians. Let me tell you, they drink as much as I drink. They're just as depressed as I am. They're just as angry as I am. But they got to get up on Sundays and go to church while I'm sleeping in. Their life sucks. Why do I want what they got? Because we've not learned how to be family. We don't know how to be in covenant relationship with each other. And so that's why we can split off as much as we do. That's why we can bounce from relationship to relationship because we don't realize we're in covenant. See, when we come into covenant relationship with each other, we deepen that relationship with each other. So listen, I love you. I got your back. You got mine. Let's go. I, I'm watching out for you. You watch out for me. If you see this in me. Another way I can tell that people aren't in covenant relationship with the body of Christ is that they have not given anyone permission to speak into them. No one can correct them. Not, me, not even me, the pastor. No one can rebuke them and say, hey, dude, I think that's wrong. I, think you should, I don't think that's biblically right. And so what we do is we stay just at a distance so we don't have to get into that deep of a relationship. So you're not in covenant relationship. And when you're not in covenant relationship, you don't have the support, the power, the prestige, if you will, of being together. This together thing is how we're going to change the world. Together is how we're going to survive all the attacks that the enemies brings against. Together. And this is what's been missing in the body of Christ. We should care for one another's needs <laughs> all the time, all the time. They won't even tell me. They'll just say, Pastor, I, I want you to know we had a lady in our small group, man, last month that, you know, her car broke down and, and she, single mom, she could, and so just in the small group, man, we just, we just started helping her get her car fixed. And, uh, and that's what it's supposed to, we had the ability to help and we did, caring for one another's needs. See, there's this crazy concept it's not even biblical that what we're going to do is we're going to get the preacher to give us the money to fix that because we go to church here. No, no, we're in the family. The, everything you need is within the family unit. It, it's here. What you, the wisdom that you need how to raise your kids. You don't need to sit in another seminar. You need to be around people who's raised kids. You don't, you, don't, you don't need another lecture, another podcast. You, know, you need to see it done in action with people who are learning it as we go and together strengthen each other. This is what a covenant relationship within the family of God looks like. You still with me? Say yes. yes. You sure? You still, uh, you still love me? Okay, here's number four. Right, number four. Are we at number four? Yeah. Number four, and that is minister. Everybody say together. Yes. Minister. Everybody say together. Yes. Number four. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us this. Verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All these must be done for the strengthening of the Say it out loud, for the strengthening of the So here's the problem. We have created an environment where the church is somewhere you come and get. We're supposed to give to one another. Look what it says. When you come together, brothers, sisters, Come on, children of God, family of God. When you come together, everyone has a hymn. Everyone has a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All these are done for the strengthening of the church. Listen, when you come in to, to moments of gatherings like this, when you get in the small group life, you should have something to give. Say, guys, I was praying this week. 
And the Lord showed me this, and I want to get this. It's precious to me. And I feel like it's for, I think it's for a couple of you guys in here too. He showed me this about me, and I think it's for you guys. Here's my gift that I bring. I hope that encourages you. I hope that helps you a little bit. I hope that strengthens you. Man, I just feel like God wants me to tell somebody, let me pray. I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you because you've been struggling with that addiction. Here's my gift to you. God, in Jesus' name, set them free from this addiction. What a gift as we exchange, as we give to one another. How could we do that on a Sunday gathering if every one of you showed up and said, Pastor, I have a song. Let me sing it. Here it goes. I love you, Lord. I wrote it in the bathroom. Here I am before you. It, there's too many people in the celebration service. That's supposed to be done in small group life. You should come together and say, I got something I just want to share. And this happened to me back in the day, and I see how God now has worked me through. You're supposed to be giving, which encourages the brother here, the sister here, which strengthens. The Bible says it strengthens us. We keep thinking, if I can just get to the dude on stage, if I can just get to the people who got more people following him on social media, they must have something special. Friend, the person right next to you has what you need. The family of God, the brothers and sisters together, united in covenant relationship. And yet we don't want that. We, we're scared to be close to other people because we're scared that they're going to judge us. We're scared they're not going to like us. And we've created that atmosphere and shame on us because we're not welcoming, we're not honest, and we're not authentic. We ought to be authentic. So, man, I'm struggling with that too. I suck, but I love Jesus. And they're like, man, I suck. That's awesome. We can do this. And the moment you start being that kind of authentic, the church, the body starts getting encouraged. We start building the world, looks and goes, says, that's the real deal. That's what I always thought it was supposed to be like, but I've never seen it modeled. We're supposed to be in covenant relationship with each other. We got each other's back. We watch out for each other. We bring gifts to one another that we're literally ministering to one another, that we literally care about one another. We're not going to let you go broke. We're going to help with that. Sometimes helping with your financial problems means correcting how much money you spend on alcohol and cigarettes and all these other stupid things you're wasting your money on. But we don't want the body of Christ to acknowledge that we don't want anybody to correct us on those things. And that's why it says submit one to another. Because in that submission, we literally have to, have to be open to correction. And I'm an only child, so I don't get this. But all you guys with brothers and sisters, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your big brother will tell you anything and you just have to listen. Your, your sister, she don't care who you are. I'm telling you, family is crazy. Family is crazy. Never seen anything like it. Back in the day, I had a friend, one of my best little friends. He was a couple years younger than me. He was my friend because his two sisters were gorgeous. And so I was, I, I was always over at their house and hanging out and that kind of thing. And I remember one time we were out in the yard playing baseball. And they, these two, these, there was two, do- two sisters and a little brother. And the two sisters, I was in between their ages. So I was, yes. And so I was always trying to you know, get to date one of the two sisters because they were beautiful kind of thing. And I'll never forget, we were playing baseball out in the backyard and they get mad at each other as siblings. They get mad. And they start throwing things at each other. I just step aside like, ooh, I'm going to let y'all work that out. They start doing it. And man, and then the girls get mad and go running inside. And so he's standing there. He looks at me and he says, what? I said, oh, you don't want to. No, I think you better back off, man. And he throws an aluminum bat at me. I duck and it hits the tree behind me. Dong, 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 dong. And I said, that's it. I rushed him. I had him on the ground. I'm just wop, 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 wop. I'm working him over. Next thing I know, claws from the pit of hell <laughs> begin digging into my face from behind. 
and shredding my eyeballs out and grabbing my nose, kicking me in the ribs. And these two sisters have come out, you leave our brother alone. That's our brother. You leave us alone. I'm like, whoa, he's crazy. He tried to kill you. He tried to kill me. I'm just defending righteousness. That's our brother. You can't touch our brother. Imagine if the church loved each other like that and say, devil, you will not. I don't care if he deserves it or not. You just get off my brother. Instead, we're like, go ahead, get him, devil. Get him, devil. He, he needs some more. He ain't, he ain't nice to us either. Uh-huh, you deserve that sowing and reaping. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, to be family. Oh, to be the church. We don't need bigger buildings and fancier song services and better technology. We need each other. We need each other. Here's the last little piece that I would teach you. And that is this, that's in Scripture. There's a lot of little covenant pieces that the body of Christ is supposed to walk, walk in. But here's the big one, and that is how to overcome conflict together. We're supposed to be overcoming conflict together. You find all throughout the Scripture, Jesus teaches about it. The Paulinian letters teach about it. So all the epistles deal with our conflict with each other as brothers and sisters. Always. I'll give you a couple key pieces that it's talked about. First off, we're supposed to go and show each other. Matthew 18, 15 says it like this. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. We do not do this. We put things out like, well, you start talking in code on, on social media. Mm-hmm. Some people call themselves Christians. But you know, when you try to be nice to them and how they act, Lord, we need revival in the church. We're reading your post like, is he talking about you or me? I don't know. I don't know who he's talking about. We over in the corner, in the cafe. Yeah, I know. And then she did this. And then I just, you know, I just, I just can't believe it. And, you know, that's, she's a small group leader. Like, what's that supposed to be? Da, 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 da. And you're literally sinning against your brother and sister because you will not obey what the scripture teaches us to do. Let me read it to you again. In Matthew 18, 15, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and show him or her his, her fault just between the two of you. So I'm not good at that. So get good at that. You know, so I just don't like conflict. I don't like traffic, but to get somewhere, I got to drive through it. I got to drive through it. I don't like it either. But I make the best of it because I'm trying to get somewhere. I don't like, con if you really like conflict, something's wrong with you. Most of you who like conflict, create conflict. And it's just like, you know, we're always like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. We got to talk to them again. Here they come. Because you like it. You thrive on it. <laughs> the rest of us are like, I don't like conflict. No, no one really truly likes conflict. But we have to go through it to get to healthy family relationships. You got to go through it. And so he tells us how to do it. Go to your brother and show them, show him, show her their fault just between the two. If you'll go back and read the rest of that passage, it says that if they still don't get it, then take the persons who were there when it happened and say, I'm not crazy. They saw it too. Okay? I'm not just against you. I'm trying to protect family. I don't know why we have such a hard time doing that with spiritual family. You know you would do that with your, your, your bloodline, brothers and sisters. Call her up. Yo, kid, I just picked your kid up from school. And you know what she said? That y'all having, having Thanksgiving and y'all didn't even invite. What are you doing? You would straight up call them out on it. 
But we won't do that within the body of Christ. But he tells us to. So how else to handle conflict? Look what Colossians 3 says, and that is bear with and forgive. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Not gossip about it. Not speak evil about them. See, the scriptures also teach us about conflict. Do not gossip. Do not slander. Do not murmur about those in authority. Listen, before there was an HR department, there was, there, was, there was a New Testament with guidelines by which we were supposed to do life together. To be in covenant. I can't tell you how many people are sitting here today that are deeply wounded because another brother or sister did not handle conflict properly. I can't tell you how many times I've blown conflict. Just trying to figure it out. Just trying to do it right. Just trying to help each other. Can't tell you, I'm going to fail you, you're going to fail me, but we're still going to be family. That's the peace that most people don't get. We're supposed to be in covenant with each other. We're not supposed to just use each other to get where we want to go. We're supposed to have each other's back. We're supposed to be the family of God. One more time, our key verse, again, in John chapter 13. And so I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I love you. Your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Would you stand with me all across the room today? I've given you a couple of those, if you will, those covenant guidelines for family members. My prayer and fasting this week, Pastor Jonathan and I, is that you would at least have a revelation that that person across the aisle is your brother. That gal who served you a latte and maybe didn't have the best attitude, that's your sister. That that person who, you know, was kind of rough in the parking lot, that's, that's your family. And that we've got to have each other's back. And we've got to learn how to do that. We've got to learn to submit one to another. We've got to learn how to confront one another for the sake of the family. We've got to learn how to actually minister to one another and, all, and stop just always being takers. What are you bringing to the table, bro? What are you bringing to the table? We've we got to actually care for one another. When someone's going through something, we should be going through it with them. Well, that's the pastor's job. No, it's not. My job is to equip you. That's what Ephesians says, to equip you to minister. That's my job. You're, you're all ministers. We're the family of God. We're brothers and sisters. And you know how family is. There's always that weird one in the group. There's always aunt so-and-so who's super nice. But we're still family. And I want you to close your eyes with me right where you stand for a moment. And I want you to take a moment between you and Father God. And I want you to be honest with yourself. Have you been dating the church? Have you been a friend with benefits? Or have you actually been a brother, a sister? We laid out some of the guidelines. It's just some in the New Testament on how we're supposed to be acting in covenant relationship with each other as the body of Christ. Have you done that? Of these five or so, do you recognize some that you're not that good? I, I bet all of us would say, yeah, the conflict piece, Pastor. I, I'm really not too good at that. Me, me either. I'm not the best either. But I want to grow in that for the sake of my brother, for the sake of my sister, for the sake of God's family. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would give us a revelation 
of what it is to be in covenant with each other. That we don't bounce on relationships the moment they get tough. That we fight through the conflict to get to a resolve so that we could be together. Lord God, that we would build, we would build such strength in our brothers and sisters. That Lord God, that we could, we could literally go, we could go charge the gates of hell with a water pistol because we got each other's back. Father, I pray right now for the sense of together. Lord God, the desire, the need. Lord God, would begin to stir in every man and woman in our congregation, part of our family. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that the prejudicenesses that we inherited from the way we were raised, the way we grew up, from the things that happened to us, that, Lord God, that those things would melt as we come into relationship with brothers and sisters from different tribal backgrounds, different skin tones, different political parties, different ways of thinking, that we could be the church under the banner of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our Father God, the one who's in heaven, whose name is hallowed and precious, that, that, that we would be under your, your banner, Daddy, and that we would recognize, oh God, that we're committed first and foremost to you and then to one another. And that, Lord God, whether we wanted to or not, the moment we were adopted by you, we also inherited the brothers and sisters that also have been adopted by you. So give us fortitude, give us grace to love on one another. May the world look at us and say, that's the real deal. May they look at Church on the Hill and say, that's the real deal. Look how they've learned to love. Lord, that means we've got some conflict to get through. That means we've got some misunderstandings to work through. That means, oh God, that we've got to, we've got to be honest about what hurt us. We've got to be honest about, you know, how we're acting with one another. And God, I thank you for that purity of honesty as we serve one another, as we submit one to another, as we care for one another, as we minister to one another. Bring us through, oh God, and let us be what you dreamed your people would be. If you keep your head bowed and your eye closed for just a moment. If you've been away from the Lord, you say, Pastor, I've got to be honest. I'm not a Christian. If I died today, I, I wouldn't go to heaven. <clears throat> I've been there. That is a miserable place to be in. I would imagine for most of you in that position, life just happened. Life just happened. You, you never intended to not love God. You just looked up one day, maybe even had some tragic things happen that brought confusion. But today, I bet you can sense God's real love and capacity for you. Today, I, I need to remind you that it, every man will die. Every woman will die, and then we'll stand before God and give an account of our lives. And I'll tell you, those kind of little statements like, well, you just don't know. Everybody around me was hypocrites, and God's going to say, what does that have to do with you and me? I love you. Why'd you push me away? Friend, I'll ask you to make a decision today to serve God, to give Him your life, to come into covenant relationship with Him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if I'm speaking to you, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not a Christian. I'm not living for God. I need a change. I need Jesus in my life. Well, the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I don't have to give money to the church to be forgiven? No. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You mean I don't have to, I don't have to you know, go serve in the kids' ministry to be forgiven by Jesus? No. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. He did all the heavy lifting 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross. Today, the Lord's hand is reaching out to you. Will you slap it away or will you receive it? Will you come into relationship? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'd like to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. You say, Pastor, that's me. You're talking about me. I'm, I'm away from God. I'm not a Christian, but I want to become one today. I want to come back to Christ. Would you let me pray with you? No one's looking. If that's you, would you just identify yourself by lifting your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to get right with God. Would you, would you pray for me? I'm not going to call you forward. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. 
I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is right there in your seat, private. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. This is a deep, private, eternal decision. I need you to, I need you to make it with all sincerity. Say, Pastor, that's me. I feel God. I know God's here. I'm ready. I'm ready to have him in my life. Yes, sir. You can put your hand back down. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Make sure I see your hand. Thank you, sweet love. Thanks for your honesty. Amen. Give about one more second. Anybody else? Pastor, that's me. Quickly. Throw your hand up so I know who I'm praying for. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. It's a prayer of repentance, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of surrender. And as you pray it, I want you to mean it with all of your heart. In fact, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside of you. As we repeat this prayer, there's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is that you ask God into your life here and now, and you admitted it by lifting your hands. So let me lead you. Let's seal the deal by a prayer of profession, a prayer of confession, a prayer of dedication. Let's say it like to say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner, and I recognize I've sinned against you. But here and now, I ask for your forgiveness. Right now, Jesus, I declare you are my Lord and my Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I receive what you did for me on that cross. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that my name is now in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray. That was a simple prayer, but you're a simple God. Lord, I pray that in that simple prayer, they would feel and sense that you've forgiven them. I pray for peace. Peace, Lord God. I pray for joy. Literally, the elephant has been removed from the room. They're right with you because they asked, and you have forgiven them. God, I ask you right now to strengthen them. Lord, and when the days come, maybe even this afternoon, and they stumble, some of that old sin, Lord God, and those lies start permeating in their brain. Ha, 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 see, you didn't mean it. You're a hypocrite. They say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm not perfect, but I am forgiven. And I may stumble and I may fall, but I'm part of God's family. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow through these things. I'm going to grow out of these things. And the things that I've loved in love Jesus, they were sinful and wicked. I'm not going to love them as much as the days go forward as I learn to love Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you've taken precedence in our life and you are our Savior. And you've healed us and delivered us today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.